The Superpowers of the Soul Channel is brought to you by Superpower Experts. Visit superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers today. You're listening to Superpowers of the Soul with Tonya Dawn Rackler and the Superpower Experts. Blessings, everyone, and welcome back to Superpowers of the Soul. This is Amora Kai, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today as we dive deep into what lies are you believing? I love, love, love this topic today. It's about how, you know, every one of us is really gifted, right? Those unique gifts and talents. However, not all of us are super encouraged to step into who we were uniquely created to be. And there can be a lot of pressure growing up. And sometimes children are often forced down a road that ultimately ends up with them not really enjoying their lives, sometimes even at a loss to explain inner feelings of anxiousness or unfulfillment as they come to the end of that road that was supposed to lead to some beautiful, happy life, and they found out it just doesn't for them. And this is what happens, right? When we build our lives on the lie of who someone else wants us to be, no matter how incredibly loving and wonderful and positive their intentions for us are, instead of building it on the true foundation of who we really are, of our own unique genius. And the great news about all of that is it's never too early and it's never too late to discover what lies we may be believing that have us shying away from or or denying our most uniquely joyful and fulfilling life. And this is why I am so excited to have Erlene Coates joining us today for what I know will be a super inspiring conversation. Erlene is so passionate about helping people identify who they're meant to be and avoid the obstacles and traps that kind of keep us in that bondage of fear, stress, anxiety. The founder and president of Everyday University, Erlene worked for over 30 years as a systems architect in the computer industry. <laughs> she fluently speaks geek, and her years as a mother and a grandmother have given her the gift of being able to take the complex and make it simple, a gift that the students of Everyday University <clears throat> are now benefiting from. She is an absolute delight. Her brilliance and her true caring just pour right out of her huge heart. And I'm super thrilled to have her on with us today. Erlene, welcome to the show, sweetheart. Oh, thank you, Amorakai. I'm so excited to be here. This is definitely one of those topics that I have a lot of passion around. And, and so I love the opportunity to come and share. Mm, yay! Oh, it's going to be so good. So, you know, being able to identify that unique genius, who we are meant to be, designed to be, would you say that is a superpower of the soul? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, not only is it a superpower of the soul, but I think we all have inclinations inside that we know when we're on the right path and we know when we're not, but we don't always have a lot of encouragement to recognize that 
and to step into those places that we really find ourselves most gifted in and out of the trappings of, of the societal view of, of, you know, the go to college, get a degree, get a job and life will be perfect, perfect type path. And um, so it's, um, definitely one of those superpowers. And, and as you know, you and I have talked before, it's not just the kids, but as parents, we need to start doing a better job of hearing our kids or listening to the things that are or aren't said and being able to step into recognizing those moments when they're being forced down a wrong road as well. Mm, I love that discernment of the uniqueness and being willing to really see and receive and hear someone your child, your partner, anybody really, but absolutely what is true for them. This one size fits all path that (laughs) we're all supposed to, you know, follow for this idea of happiness or success or what have you. Um, That just isn't true for so many of us. And of course is very true for some, right? Mm -hmm. That, it's a wonderful path for some, but perhaps not all. So yeah, I'm so excited to dive into this. And you know what? Let's let's just go to break right now so we don't even have to break the flow. I love this conversation. Before we do that, Erlene, where can people go to find more information out about you? Well, there's my website, everydayuniversity.com. And on that, that does have one of my small courses that uh, I absolutely love, um, financial or the financial financially savvy young adults course that is a, a really solid foundation, a basic course, but it has a lot of the principles really covered in a, a short course. And so that's one place. And then early in at Everyday University is the other way you can find me as well. Oh, beautiful. Okay, great. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, you are listening to Superpowers of the Soul here on the Superpower Network. And today we're talking with Erlene Coates about what lies are you believing? And for those of you perhaps feeling ready to take the next step on the path of unlocking your superpowers, we invite you to come on over and play with us at the Superpower Universe and take that next step with the support of others inside our high vibe community. Head on over to superpowerexperts.com for all the info. For now, stay with us. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back. The Superpower Experience goes way beyond the podcast. Listeners can connect with hosts and one another inside the Superpower Universe Plus membership. Members get access to high vibe connections, superpower masterclasses, and much, much more. Don't wait another moment to step into your superpowers. Go to superpowerexperts.com and sign up today. And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. This is Amora Kai. And if you're just tuning in, today we're talking with Erlene Coates about what lies are you believing? And Erlene, before the break, we just started opening up this beautiful conversation and you laid it out right away about how we as parents especially can start to identify and recognize and listen to our own children and the own unique geniuses and, and talents and gifts 
you know, blossoming from within. I call this the, the, the plant modeling of parenting where we are here to nurture and create beautiful environments for the seed to grow in rather than the, the clay model parenting where we're forcing, right, this picture right. of the child into, into what we believe out of the best of intentions, out of love, but it's still a force versus power or a sculpting versus an unfolding. Mm-hmm. So in your experience, you know, what are some of the the best ways that we can start to really open up to that space and helping ourselves, others, our children start to identify those talents, those skills, those unique geniuses? Yeah, you know, I love that question. And it caused me to to take even a step back Mm -hmm. and to appreciate that so often we feel the pressures of the world around us to create this kind of environment in our home, this place where our kids are expected to to succeed in all of the scholastic efforts and they're supposed to go on to college and and move their way down that road Um, because of the pressures that we're feeling because we haven't the confidence to step into who we were uniquely created to be. And as a result, we're so worried that our, that the view of the world of how, how I've parented my children doesn't look right. If I didn't get them all the way into a college. Mm. And as, as I say that there are so many kids that are so gifted in other ways that college will never serve them well. And so it's recognizing that kid that has this unique ability to take apart and put together a, a machine, a clock. You know, there's some kids that can take and they can disassemble a clock and put it back together and it's all still working or they're taking apart stuff that's like, okay, you shouldn't have taken that apart, but they put it back together and it's working. Mm -hmm. And then we think that we need to put them in a chair with a book and say, okay, go and learn this stuff. And let's make sure you perform well on your test in order to be able to get the right score on the test, to be able to, you know, meet up with all of the societal expectations of what you as a child have to do in order to be successful in life. When in reality, that kid who can take apart something and put it back together, there's some uniqueness there that you start developing that that unique ability to see how this works. And suddenly they're now looking at not only how that works, but maybe how can I make that better? Or how can I create something new and different as a result of what I know from this thing? So you're seeing that unique ability of that child. And instead of, you know, giving and my son's a great example, honestly, he's one that as a kid, he, by the time he was 10 years old, could have put in a sprinkler system in the yard, because he had experientially gone through that process had enough of the exposure and here's how you do this. You put the the glue on the tubes, you put them together. You know, this is how you do that. And he didn't have to read a book to learn that. He just had someone there alongside of him showing him how to do that. You give him a book and he looks at it and it's like, okay, well, whatever you say. And, and he struggles, but 
you know, that experiential side. So you've got that kid who has unique gifts that you funnel them down that path and you start bringing out those things, you build their self-confidence in those areas they're really good at mm-hmm. and allow them to then start exploring the possibilities of what can I do more of within this space, as opposed to trying to put them back into the the little square peg of, of the school system. And, and I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't disagree with college. I have a college degree and so do both of my children. Mm-hmm. However, I don't believe our colleges serve all of our kids well. And I, you know, there are some that are funneled into the process of getting a degree because that's what they are told they need to do that they will never use that they never enjoyed the process of getting there. And in the end, they come away with a whole lot of debt Mm -hmm. and a burden that they're carrying for years after because of that. So, you know, if you want to be a a brain surgeon, uh, you know, any kind of those doctor guys, yes, I do believe you need a college degree (laughs) and you need to go down that right path. But there's so many amazing trade schools and so many other opportunities that we can open up for our kids and allow them to step into those spaces where they're going to thrive, which then takes away the fear, the anxiety, and all of the other craziness that's going on um, amongst our kids. Because that pressure to get into a college, in many cases, is causing a lot of depression, anxiety, fear. And in many cases, honestly, it's leading to paths of potential suicides. And so that's, you know, as you start looking at that, how can we help bring that child into that full blossom. You know, I love your, your analogy of the, the uh, gardening side of things, as opposed to the clay, how can we do that? And, and have them this blossoming young individual that steps into a life that creates something that no one would have expected, but they could because they use their unique talents. Mm, uh, Yes, please. More of that. I, Love this. You know, it's really true what you say about the rates of depression, anxiety, and how sometimes the pressure uh, cooks, right? Just cooks us and cooks our children to such a degree Mm -hmm. that is so tragic. It's just unbearably tragic. It's so sad. And the truth of it is, there's another piece to this, you know. When I, when I speak with children, I work with families. I've done a lot of that over the years in various capacities. And one of the things that I find comes up in this story around the pressure is because it is the, the sort of dominant, I would say, hierarchy, right? It's, it's a hierarchical-based system where you have to climb this ladder and, and do these certain things to keep yourself moving up and fitting in and contributing and belonging and succeeding is just that those of us that don't feel aligned with that track, that it does not actually serve us. It does not deepen and awaken our unique gifts that don't quite fit into that. I think you called it a square peg. It, it, it's mm-hmm. double, doubly tragic because not only is the pressure to go that way and it's just awful for you and it really doesn't suit you, but you start to perhaps buy the story that you just don't belong here. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You spoke about suicide and you spoke about that sort of, right, that path. And I, when I speak to people, it's like, I, I must have been dropped off from a different planet. I just don't fit in. I just don't belong. I just can't do that. I'm just not good enough, I guess. I'm just not cut out for it, I guess. Or sometimes even worse, well, I did it all anyway. I did it all. I, I did it all. And I'm here now. I'm here where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I'm depressed. I am miserable. I am wholly unfulfilled. I think sometimes that occurs just as often. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting because as we started off, you know, really talking about the lies mm-hmm. and um, part of the, the other part of that lie picture is sometimes we believe things starting from a very young age that are not true then. And they're absolutely not true as you continue through life. And in many cases, um, many years later, and, you know, one of the examples that I I frequently share is the example of, um, you know, you will all be shocked to know that I am a failure at scribble art. Mm. (laughs) As I say that, that it's, it was very interesting how I probably 50 years had this running dialogue in my mind of I'm not creative that I realized went all the way back to the time as a five-year-old kindergartner had been given a scribble art project that I was so excited by. It was so cool. And I was sharing, you know, I even came home and had to do a separate project to show my mom. I was just so excited by that project but i walked back in that next day and i had a sad face on my paper and i don't remember to this day what why i did i just know i'm generally a rule follower and so i have to believe that i followed the rules if you will the the expectation Um, but somehow it didn't meet the standard of that teacher and in that moment what that in my little five-year-old brain did is it caused me to start believing this lie of I'm not creative. Mm. And when I say creative, that in years later, I I know that it was some synonymous with artistic, but it still, it was the broader I'm not creative. And, you know, as you were talking about, you know, the years I worked in corporate America and even still, um, in in the IT industry on some some fronts, I actually have architected large computer systems that support big healthcare systems and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm wildly creative, but there are those sides of me where that lie of you're not creative that stemmed back to that five-year-old child who got a sad face on a scribble art project that then had influence and impact on my life for at least 50 years or close to 50 years is, is my guess based on kind of when I think I'm remembering that I suddenly had this realization of that lie. Mm -hmm. And, and part of that is that we all have somewhere, some of those things that have happened in our life that have headed us in a trajectory of believing a lie that wasn't true then and is still not true. And it may not have been the intention of the person who 
helped plant the seed of that lie to have you believe that even. Mm-hmm. But because of because of how you process that at that young age, you suddenly had that that then guided your entire life or a good chunk of your life. And so I think that, you know, there's there's two parts to that point of that story is one is recognizing the impact of what we say and how we respond to our children, how that can start unintentionally creating these lies in those little small five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old brains that they then carry with them for years. And so the sooner that we can start looking for what are they really exceptionally gifted at? What are those amazing things that they do that no other kid does? Or what are the, what are the things that they, when, when they get to do this thing, they just lights them up and you can encourage them more in those spaces. And the more that you build them up in those areas, they start having that confidence in those things they're good at. And they start stepping in and being more creative in those ways. And, you know, for every kid, it's different and recognizing even as a parent with two different children, they're (laughs) very different. And one has a very unique learning style. The other has a very different and unique learning style and, and appreciating them both for that unique, amazing human that they are, as opposed to uh, expectation. And I, I think our school system today, still, it teaches to this kind of single model on many levels of how you have to learn in a classroom setting with a class of 30 kids, um, partially because it's impractical on some levels to do it any differently. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that there are many gifted teachers out there who have figured out how they can start reaching those kids who are learning on different ways, learning different ways, and they've been able to engage them so much differently um, but recognizing that it's it's not as easy as sit them down, make them read a book, watch a movie, and then regurgitate the information that they just learned. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, <laughs> I can. Re- I'm relating on so many levels here. It's just lighting me right up because you're touching on so many different things, and there are so many gifted teachers out there, and I don't know how they do it. Some of the classrooms that I've entered, teachers are just dedicated to. Mm-hmm instilling, you know, positivity and recognizing each child and developing confidence from recognizing a a child's strengths or natural inclinations and really starting to boost that up rather than I think the sort of older way, which is still prevalent in many cases, but Mm. of, of, you know, really picking on the parts where a child is not happy, not flourishing, struggling, like read the book instead of go take apart the machine from your example. Right. So it reminds me of that old saying about something to the effect of you're always going to, going to feel a failure if you, or, or create a sense of failure, if you judge a fish by how well it climbs a tree, something to that effect. Mm, it's yeah. true, right. It's so true. Right. And it brings me to a couple other points along this two that come to mind. One, the other thing about this, I feel is that there's this sort of older model of, you know, the one way, the one path, what, remember that old question? Mm-hmm. Well, what are you going to be when you grow up? I don't know if we right. still do that anymore, but I grew up with that. Mm-hmm. And it was the worst question in the world, because my response was, I have to pick one. What? And so there's this sort of 
multi-passionate, right? And multi-talented thirst in so many of us that I think one of the lies some of us are prone to believing is that we have to choose this one thing and need to be good at this one thing. And we need to niche and brand this one thing or choose a career that is this one thing. And that I know is not, um, not in the hearts of everybody. And so, uh, and the other thing that comes to me, I love your example about the book because in so many children, um, superpowers, right? Mm -hmm. There are abilities and talents and skills that we don't necessarily even understand. I think it's fair to say. Right. And so I think there needs to be some space and room for letting these children teach us and letting these gifts unfold in sort of that environmentally, right? Um, That, you know, positive environment for support and nurturing. But I mean, I've worked with parents where they're like, I don't understand what's happening. Why won't they read the book? Why won't they sit down and do this? Why won't they do that? And these children are, are getting all they need to get from the book by touching the book right? Mm -hmm. They're they're receiving information. They're receiving energy. They can understand things at different levels. They are having experiences of of listening differently than perhaps we've known listening to be, or even communicating. So what do you feel about that? I feel like there's there's something to be said for that as well and making space for that. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. And you know, it's interesting as you're even talking, it's reminding me of how I've even come to appreciate that although I love having a book to read, I also love hearing that book read to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's even the appreciation of there's not even one way to even consume the information and be able to get the most out of it. It's, and so it's, if, you know, I have to listen to the book read on audible, as opposed to reading the book, uh, does that make me less, less of a, you know, Mm -hmm. amazing learner? Mm -hmm. And the reality is it doesn't, it it is able, and you're, you're, you're able to get it at such a different level by coming in it from different points of view. And, and I think to your point a little bit there is even, you know, having that, that book comes with its own sense of energy. It has its energy. It has uh, a deep, deep insight and meaning that even can come from holding that book. And from, and so I think that there are just really appreciating that there are so many ways to come to get the information from that book from the information, whatever it is, wherever it is. Um, so yeah, I, I that's a great question. Mm, yeah, I love it. I love it. It reminds me, um, uh, you know, another point is there's so many different ways to, <laughs> to do things as well. I mean, I, I love your point about even in a family, right, with more than one child, each child is different. Mm-hmm. Each child has their own everything. I mean, wow. <laughs> That has been one of my greatest teachings. I remember early, early days when I was in college before I had kids and I was arguing for the the nurture versus nature. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's all nurture. It's all environment. It's all, it's all the parents' fault, basically, is what I think I was saying. <laughs> uh, 
But when I had children, I went, oh, you're a being. Oh, <laughs> you, 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 you come as you, oh, fascinating. Maybe I should go apologize to my college teacher. No, it was, it was really eye-opening for me, actually. And then to, to really learn how to honor that truth and the unfolding of this being who is a being. And so I think it reminds me of my daughter, Hannah, who is not interested in college at this point, not interested in university, is so talented with anything to do with nature, with animals, with um, plants, like her, her levels of communication, um, you know, are, are outside of the ordinary. Um, and actually we did an, an episode about her sense of psychic smell. She's Claire Allian. So she communicates with plants and animals through a sense of smell that defies mm-hmm. the ocean. It's really quite wonderful, but Rather than going the, the college or university path, she still wanted that level of education as far as farming, growing, um, care of land, growing foods, and that she's very interested in that. And so her father and I, you know, traditionally could have perhaps come to it as a push. Well, if you need that, then you have to go there to get it because we have this idea that this is the way. And Mm -hmm. if you go this way, we love you. You're going to be hurt because you're not going to have the education or the certificate or the, the actual training that you need, even though this is your passion, right? So I feel sometimes that even if someone's passion and, and skills and talents line up with what could be, you know, a university level or otherwise, uh, aligned education, it doesn't mean that that's even the path either. Hannah went and found herself a professor, a university professor that ran her own farm and became an apprentice. And I mean, mm-hmm. she's getting the education of a lifetime, but doing it her way. Right. So I feel like there's some room for that as well as we've grown and expanded so much. And I don't know that our idea of education has really grown and expanded as much as we have as a family of humanity for where we are. I, I absolutely agree. And I think that and, and I think maybe through this conversation, the more that can start considering that mm-hmm. there is more than one path to get to the same outcome mm-hmm. and that it's allowing yourself to step into the how can I or what's possible as opposed to this is the path that you have to go to get to this thing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I, I know today, um, you know, kind of going back to the old, you've got to have a college degree to get a good job. The reality is years ago, it, that was an absolute requirement in many cases. But today, there are young people that I know that are totally self-taught and they are incredibly skilled and gifted in in things like computer design and all sorts of different things that are able to step into jobs that they come in at a level above kids coming out of college because they're self-taught, they're self-motivated, they're showing their abilities through already having done so many things and achieved so much. And it's, you know, and I, I have to, you know, think even a Neva is a great example where, you know, she's in a household where they encourage her to be the unique individual she is. And they don't live with the same constructs of you can't run a company until you're an adult. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, they're, they're, you know, she's, 
not an adult in the in the legal sense of the way, but she is doing amazing things with her own business and supporting the family business and all all of those kind of things. And so recognizing that there are so many rules that as a as a society we've put around what kids can and can't do that we constrain them as opposed to unleashing them and allowing them to do the amazing things, even as a, a kid in, you know, elementary, high school, middle school, wherever they're at. Oh, I got chills for that. Constraining them instead of unleashing them. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. so powerful. And so true. So true. You know, in our, in our family, we, well, Richard Rudd of the Gene Keys, he speaks of this. He talks about, you know, the, the patriarchy and the matriarchy and, and moving towards what he describes as the synarchy, which is essentially where, you know, everybody contributes from their happy place. I mean, that's a very mm-hmm. way to put it, but we have this sense of contribution and we're all fulfilling our roles. And mm-hmm. it's a role that is best suited for us, not in a hierarchy, everybody trying to get to some fantastical place that even when we get there is not necessarily anything for us. And right. so I think dispelling that illusion that there's there's something at the end of that rat race, there's something at the end of that maze that's equal for everybody. And you know, it, it's worth the the fight to get there if it's a fight for you. Um, I don't know about that. And so right. when I when I tap into that idea of this synergy, um, I love it. It really speaks to honoring those gifts, honoring that unfolding. And also, I think it moves away from the hierarchy with regards to parents and children. You know, in, in conscious parents, mm-hmm. we talk about this all the time, where it's not dominant or permissive parenting. It's peaceful parenting. And peace comes from honor. It comes from those higher values of, of seeing the being, not mm-hmm. the less than, not mm-hmm. something to dominate and, again, force and mold into my model and version of you. It's it's meeting each other, the truth of our beingness and honoring that, you know, one of the things I love about the conscious parenting movement is the idea that we are parenting for our entire relationship, right? From birth to, to death, not from zero to 18. And then I've got you to college, my hands are done, any dominance or, you know, any of that stuff doesn't matter anymore because it was to get you here. And I think that there's so much to be said here for that quality of honoring the being in everybody. And quite frankly, I think our children have so much to teach us. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and, and it's us having the confidence in ourself mm. that doesn't require us to always feel like we have to be the teacher. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the other is the more that we can step into who we are as an individual and love ourselves for the uniqueness of who we are, mm-hmm. having that confidence in ourselves, mm-hmm. it allows us to not have to be the one who is doing the teaching, but instead can step into that place of, and, you know, and I think that there are times that we recognize that our kids have taught us stuff. We don't want to admit it. (laughs) And 
So it's, you know, it's that other, it's that taking that next step of even stepping into being able to know our kids taught us and to celebrate them for that and help them even appreciate the brilliance that they were able to share in that. Mm, Absolutely. And I think that there's something to be said for being willing to grow out loud in front of Mm -hmm. others including very much our children. Right. So going back to, you know, what lies are you believing and, and tracing that story you shared earlier about that teacher with the, with the um, unhappy faith that just broke my heart. <laughs> I don't want to go give your five-year-old the biggest hug ever, but there's so, there's so many of us that have similar things like that in our lives. And sometimes, you know, we don't get around to tracing those lives and growing through that and having those breakthroughs until we're 30, 40, 50, until the children are around. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think that being willing to do that out loud is, is only of benefit is only of benefit to, to all, most especially those beautiful children. Yeah. The other thing I would say is, don't we need to sort of give each other a bit of a break? Don't we need Mm -hmm. to maybe stop the, the pressure among our family and our friends and how we think about this and how we talk to each other about this? There's gotta be something to be said about, like, can we just, can we just leave off this kind of pressure and this competition and this hierarchy within you know, our, ourselves, our groups, our families, our friends, how we talk to each other, mm-hmm. sort of questions that we ask. I mean, there's something to be said about that, I think, too. Yeah, I agree. And I, and, and where I'm finding that the more that I'm able to really embrace myself for who I am, and love myself well, that I can step into those spaces in a much different place, mm-hmm. which it allows me to step in there and not automatically go to that place of judgment and condemnation, but instead a, a place of curiosity of, hmm, that's interesting. Why is it that you see it that way and being able to use that as a place of, of new types of learning and, and asking more questions as opposed to automatically internalizing that. And at that moment of internalizing, either reacting or responding or whatever we do with that. But instead it's like, that's interesting. Why do you say that? Because sometimes it's one of those things that, you know, we've got that blind spot or we've got something else going on, or it's a perspective that is so different than what we've imagined that we, you know, we, we miss the beauty of that moment of where we could have seen it in such a different light. Mm. Oh, I love that you said that. That's powerful. So powerful. You know, I, um, I know we have to start wrapping up soon, but this feels really important. I'm I'm really curious your perspective on this, because one of the things that I feel really comes up so much for everybody is how all of this relates to money and career. So there's so much around, yes, but don't we have to, right, choose our careers 
Um, don't we have to look at the money angle? Is our unique genius automatically related to our career, to how we earn our daily bread? Are they exclude like that whole conversation? Mm. I I love that question. And I, as you ask that question, am reminded of a friend of mine's mother when he was in third grade had she was one of those brilliant parents that had a brilliant parent and his brilliant mind on so many different fronts. Um, And at the age of, you know, a third grader, he was worried about making the wrong choice on the elective he chose because that could influence the path of his final destiny in his life. This is grade three. What at third grade? Yes. Third grade. Wow. Okay. And her response to him was figure out what you love or do what you love and find, figure out a way to get paid for it. (laughs) And so in, you know, and, and as we look at money, that's one of those things that there's so many other lies wrapped around money Mm -hmm. and, you know, you've got the the biblical aspect of, you know, the you can't serve two masters and, and, you know, that isn't what the text says. And then there's, you know, all of all sorts of different aspects around that. Um, but then you go back to King Solomon, historically, one of the wealthiest men in history. Mm-hmm. And in the point where he had opportunity to have anything he desired, God says, what do you desire? And his answer was, give me a discerning heart. Help me know how to lead your people well. And at that point, the response back was, well, since you didn't ask for a long life and money, I'm going to give you those too. Mm -hmm. And so I think where you look at that story and appreciate the God gifts us in unique and amazing ways. And where we are wise with that gifting, he's going to reward us. And we don't have to get tied up in that tangled knot of money and all of the other things. Money is an energy that allows one good and service to be, you know, but it it's that thing that we can get so locked into the, I need to be a pilot because they get paid X amount of dollars, or I need to be a doctor because they get paid X amount of dollars. When you don't have a desire for that, you will never love your life doing that. And in the end, you will never do it well, because that isn't where you were uniquely gifted. But if you step into that place of your unique gifting, imagine the possibilities. Mm. Mm. Yes. Oh, that feels so good. Thank you for that. I couldn't agree more. And so beautifully said. Imagine, wouldn't you want the doctor <laughs> to be one who most wants to be a doctor? <laughs> who exactly. Is for it, who is thriving in it, who loves their work. Yeah. And mm-hmm. with anything, I mean, to me, that is the, the more, my friend Charles, the more beautiful world we all know is possible. Charles Eisenstein wrote a book and I love that title because to me, that world is a world where everybody is 
in that space of freely expressing their uniqueness mm-hmm. and not having to buy the lie, as you say, and force themselves <laughs> into that square peg mm-hmm. where they just don't fit and is not for them. Right. And so everybody in the creative flow, right? We're, we're all in that divine design. And when we let that creative spirit flow through us in the way that it is most intended, where we are lit up and we are most joyous, we are going to make our greatest contribution to everybody. It always seems to serve the whole. It's always a win-win-win. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Mm. Oh, Erlene. Before we wrap up and close out this super amazing container for today, and thank you so much for it, by the way, do you have any final thoughts you want to share? You know, I think that the biggest thing is to really ask in in those cases, especially as you have the lies, kind of tying back to the lies. Mm -hmm. If you say, I'm not creative, I'm not I don't deserve this. I'm whatever those lies are. And, you know, anything you say, I'm not, or I am, that is not a positive um, frame of reference, Mm -hmm. then start asking more of those questions. Is that true? Do Mm -hmm. I really know it's true? What would happen if I didn't believe that? And, um, you know, these are all based on a framework from another uh, a book I've read and, and the author's name has escaped me right now. But it's one of those that as you start really questioning those lies that you are those things you've believed for a really long time and suddenly start uncovering that it's actually one of those lies that's holding you back then that allows for some amazing freedom. And so that would be my challenge and encouragement to anyone who's sitting there saying, well, I can't do this, or I'm not this, or I'm not that. Any of those things that um, are constraining them, mm-hmm. start digging into those lies and and identify where, they, where the root is and recognizing that it wasn't true back then and it's not even, it's no more true today. And that they have amazing, unique beauty in inside of each and every one of them. Mm. Oh, Erlene, yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your beautiful energy and all your incredible wisdom with us here today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I It's a pure joy and uh, definitely a topic I'm passionate about, but it, uh, it's always great to have this connection with you and, and being able to hopefully inspire others to step into their amazing brilliance that they were uniquely created for. Mm, yes, yes, yes to that. Oh, blessings. Thank you, Arlene. Thank you. All right, everyone. And thank you all so much for being here with us today, too. I hope this episode serves to shed some light on any lies you may be believing that are not serving any useful or positive purpose and inspires you to appreciate the unique genius within and let it out. And please come bring your beautiful, unique self to connect even deeper with all of us over at the Superpower Universe, too. We're having a ton of fun over there. And if you're looking for live connections, feel free to give the plus membership a try. It's such a high vibe community with so much love to share. 
Go to superpowerexperts.com to check it all out. And until next time, remember to go within, unlock your superpowers of the soul, and use them to light up our world. All the love, everyone, and bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.